Good to see you tonight. Let's uh, turn our Bibles. We're going to be turning to a couple of places this evening, but let's uh, let's start in Ezekiel chapter nine, and um, and hope that you've had a good week. And uh, just relieved that the dads took out the tug of war again. <laughs> At least we we won't hear the bragging in our homes for a while, quite a while yet. But I I'm not sure, but we'll see. I think. I think there was uh, some complaints about which side they were pulling, a couple of that, excuses I was hearing afterwards, but I think we just won fair and square. But um, All right, Ezekiel chapter 9, I hope that you had a good Father's Day as well, we got to spend time with your family on, on Sunday, and it was a blessing for us, we had just the opportunity to, to have a barbecue at our place and just reflect back on, on the last year and, and some of the things that... that the Lord's allowed us to, to see as, as, as dads and just talking to my dad as well about uh, just how he sees things. It was just a good time. Um, but if you've ever read through the book of Ezekiel, you know it's an interesting book. And Ezekiel was a priest that was taken in the, uh, into captivity through to Babylon. And really, when you look at the timeline of things, uh, Daniel and his group of friends and all of that, they were the first group to be taken away. But then Ezekiel was taken, I think, around nine years after uh, in the capture of Jehoiachin and taken into captivity. And now he's prophesying um, really in parallel almost to the things that, Jer- uh, that Jeremiah was prophesying uh, about the destruction of Jerusalem. And, and that's really the, the, the subject of which chapter 9 is. In, in chapter 8, and let's quickly read that actually, chapter 8, verse 3, we notice what happened here. And he put forth the form of an hand and took me by a lock of mine head. And the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north. There was a seat of the image of jealousy, which provoketh to jealousy. So, so here Ezekiel is taken in the spirit to see some things regarding the future destruction of Jerusalem. We know from the outset that actually in, in Ezekiel chapter 3 that, that he's prophesying to a hardened people. In fact, he says, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna, um, be hard to you, they and, and I'm going to give you uh, your, your forehead to be a flint. And you don't be afraid of their faces is what God said to Ezekiel. And so that's the context of which really we come to chapter 9. And, and he says something interesting here. And I think that, that it's important. You know, sometimes we look at the, 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 the Word of God and, and we can sometimes pass over a certain, certain dealings that God has and what God will do is, is he will crack open a little bit of the behind the scenes. And that's what he does here really in chapter 8 and then into chapter 9. He, he cracks open a, a bit of a behind the scenes of, of how the spiritual world works. Now, we understand that the spiritual world is the things that are unseen. And we understand that, that as, as, as people, we see the physical, we see the things that are just happening about us, but we also understand as God's people that there are, there's the spiritual realm that is, is active and is as, just as real as what we see and feel and touch. And, and that's the realm that Ezekiel mentions here is between 
heaven and earth. It's that veil that God, in recording the scriptures for us, cracks open a little bit to help us see. Uh, and notice verse 1 with me, and just some interesting things here, I think. He cried also in mine ears, so chapter 9, verse 1, with a loud voice saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And he's saying to them, you know, I want, uh, th there's going to be those that I'm calling, and these are spiritual beings, and they're going to be destroying because there's, there's idolatry in the nation. They're hardened. And so, so he's prophesying and he's helping him see that there's going to be a destruction of Jerusalem. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And so uh, there's this group of six that come. They have destroying weapons. They have slaughter weapons. And notice verse, uh, the, as the verse continues, And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a rider's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of the, of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was, to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the rider's inkhorn by his side. He's about to say something to this particular man and, 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 and uh, a spiritual being. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. And, and he's given a specific task here, this, this spiritual being, to go and mark certain people. He says, go and mark those that the Bible says, sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. He's, there's a recognition that even amongst those who of this city that was full of idolatry and rebellion and hardness. There were those who were vexed. There were those who were bothered. There were those who sighed and cried because of the condition of the city. And it was those that, that God said to this particular being, go and mark them. Go and, go and set them aside. Go and record something about them that, that they differ from those, the condition of the rest of the city. And he, he gives us a bit of, of, of insight into, into how, how God perhaps works even in our day. Again, this is unseen. This is God revealing something that we otherwise wouldn't normally see or understand. But he's saying that he's, he's given even this particular individual, and some might say that this is a, a Christophany, an appearance of Christ. I'm not Sure, there's enough evidence biblically to, to support that, but we do know that he was given this specific task. Unlike the other, other people, other beings in that group, the other six men, the Bible says here, he was give, given a specific task to go around. He was clothed in linen and he had a rider's inkhorn and he was just went about and he watched and he, he observed. And he noticed that there are those in the city that were different in comparison to the general condition of the rest of the population. And he said, mark them. He said, he said recognize them. And, and what this is, 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 we'll look at it later, but 
I think this is a, a bit of a type and even a prophecy of, of the times in the tribulation where there were those who God had sealed and God had marked for a specific purpose. But, but our mind ought to start to think about the fact that also in our day, in our dispensation, in our time, we've been marked as well. But the, the Bible calls it a sealing. We're sealed until the day of promise. And, and so God is interested in how we feel and how we respond to the evils of the day. He, he in fact, will send those that to recognize and to even take note of that. And it's interesting, again, that, that he says, mark them in their forehead. And, and initially and eventually, straight away, our minds think about what, what gets marked on the forehead. Later on, we know that there's the mark of the beast. But the forehead is an interesting part of, of, um, of our body. It's our, the biggest thing on our, on our face. All right? You know, they call it a forehead because typically you can fit four fingers, but if you fit more, you're a five head. All right? But... <laughs> And, and there's a recognition even in some cultures of today that the forehead is symbolic, that there's some significance to it. You know, a, a couple of, many years ago now, as a, as a young person, I was just walking through Darling Harbour. I was just trying to head home. I had a job interview that day, I believe, and I was just trying to head home and minding my own business. And some random guy came up to me and he stopped me. He was an Indian fella. And he said, he said, excuse me. I said, yes. He said, um, I just need to tell you something. I said, what is it? And he said, you have a powerful forehead. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, did he watch me play soccer? Did he watch me do a header? I'm just trying to figure out. But he, he sort of said, in my culture, there's certain shapes of forehead and there's significance. I've never dug into that. I just thought it was strange, all right? And I'm just glad he didn't touch my forehead. But there's, there's, the forehead has significance even biblically. Uh, if you go with me to Exodus chapter 28, look at the garb of the, the high priest. And notice part of God's design in that. Exodus chapter 28. And uh, notice with me uh, verses 36 to 38. And we see here in verse 36, And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold, engrave upon it like the engravings of a signet holiness to the Lord. And thou shalt put, uh, put it on a blue lace, that it may be upon the mitre, upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be. And notice this, what this part is. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that points to, and it shall be upon Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things with the, which the children of Israel shall hallow in their holy gifts, and it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. So even as part of the garb of the high priest, there was, he was pointing to something. In, in, really what it's speaking about is a, a sense of belonging. You know, um, in different cultures in today, there's, there's a, they, they put things on people's foreheads to signify that they belong to another person. And he's saying there that there's a belonging, there's a significance even in, 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 his, in the type of Aaron's garment. But also in the Bible, it could also stand for someone's stubbornness and just being stubborn. We already talked about it, but in Ezekiel chapter 3, let me read the, the verses for you. Ezekiel chapter 3, and notice what he says about his own people. 
He says in verse 8, Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. As an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. He said, they're hard. And I picture, you know, those, those rams when they come together and they're butting heads. And he's saying, they've got a hard head, but I'm going to make your forehead even stronger and harder. Because you've got to withstand that stubbornness. And he's saying there that, that that's the, the part there, but it's also that idea of where you're sealed. And, and now go to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. And again, I referred to it earlier, but look at verses 1 to 3. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor any tree. And, and he says, And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with, cry, cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. And notice what he says, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the, the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So there's a, a sealing. And again, this isn't, uh, this isn't necessarily something visible, it's something that was being done spiritually. And he says, uh, go, go to chapter 9 and verse 4. Chapter 9 and verse 4. Again, it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. So there was a separating, there was a sense of belonging, there was a sense of sealing and marking of certain groups of people that, that God had, had, um, had set aside for a specific work. And, and again, we, we typically, when we think about the forehead, we think about the mark of the beast, and we won't take the time, but we know that in Revelation chapter 13, 14, and so forth. And that's a signifier that they've chosen to belong to the devil. And, and what I'm saying is that, that God is looking for those that he has sealed to be different, but he's also observing. And God knows, right? We all understand. God knows those who are his. We are sealed until the day of promise. We have the Holy Ghost that seals us. And there ought to be, in, our, in a sense, in our own lives, that marking that we're set aside and set apart, even in the midst of a crooked generation. And that there ought to be a sense of our responsibility, but also a sense of who's watching. You know, we understand that, that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, beholding the evil and the good. And, and by the way, you know, we, we just spoke about faithfulness on Sunday, and part of that is our integrity. And what integrity is, is who we are when no one else is looking. But you understand that we as God's people who are sealed, we who the Holy Spirit has given us an earnest to understand that we belong to Christ. You understand that, there, that, that aside from that, that, there, there, that, that should be enough for us to have a sense of, of holy fear in our lives that when we're out and about, even our, even our, even our sighing and our crying is noted. And yet what we find is, is actually even God sends 
those that perhaps like this one, this being, this spiritual being, maybe an angelic being that is just around and just observing, just taking note. And, and God sends those, and we know that even from a church point of view, when we look at the, the seven churches of Asia Minor, we know that each one has an angel. We know that Jesus himself walks around the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And there, is, there are those who are watching. There are those in the spiritual realm, in the invisible, that God has set aside for this purpose to watch. And sometimes we're so careless and sometimes we're so unmindful that, that one, God is watching, but it could be that it's just, just God has sent others along in, the, in that spiritual realm to observe what is the happenings in, the rea- in the, this reality in the realm of mankind. And that ought to give us pause to think, man, God means it. And God observes it, and God watches. And actually, there's, there's that watcher who's just perhaps not just watching, but also recording. You, you know, one day the books will be opened. And we know the books, the book of life is recording those who are saved and unsaved, but the, uh, the books will open at the great white throne judgment. And not only are those that God sends watching, but perhaps they're recording. You know, the Bible tells us that even that every idle word. And, you know, we go about and we we're, we're, can be careless with our words and careless with our, our attitudes and our spirit uh, about the things that are right and wrong. And, and sometimes we're, we just go about and a bit haphazardly and forget that actually God is watching, but God has sent watchers. And God has sent those that are observing, those that are marked, those that are sealed. And actually, there's a great responsibility in that. You know, the Bible tells us that one day we'll all stand in account. Right? Second Corinthians, the last place we'll turn to. Second Corinthians, and, and you know, there's many things that we can hide from one another. There's many things that we can display from an outward point of view the way we are. But God is the one that, that ultimately He sees. And actually, He's getting a report. And one day we'll get the report, but it'll be too late then. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 to 10, it says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You know, we're going to give an account. There's the judgment seat. And all of us here, we're going to give an account. And one day, the markings and the, those notes will be read out. And, and it'll be too late to do anything then. And it's not a judgment of whether we're saved or not. It's a judgment on gain or loss. It's whether it's wood, hay, or stubble, or gold and silver and precious stones. And I want to tell you that, that there's a sobering reality that we don't see and the soberness is this, that God sees, but he sent, he sent those to observe and record. And we better take great care. You know, we're, we're living in a time where, where it's easy 
to just get involved with wickedness. It's easy to just let things slide in our own lives because the environment and the climate of the day normalizes it. But if God sent through, in, even in his city, someone to make marks and to record and observe those that sigh and cry, how much more we who are sealed with the Holy Spirit, how much more we who he's marked for this day live for him and live with integrity? Because one day the books will be opened and one day the recordings will be read out. And we'll either rejoice in that day, or probably for many, they'll be weeping. And there'll be a, an embarrassment. And it'll be too late then. And, and I'm just saying that there, there, was a, there was a soberness about that. As I was just reading through, it was my devotions this morning. And I just thought about the fact that there's so much that God observes of us that we don't even see. There's so much that God, and God, He knows the very thoughts and intents of the heart. God sees the, and hears the whispers that we make. And, and yet, I want to remind you that God is gracious too. And, and we ought to be mindful. And we ought to realize that God is watching, but He sent those to watch, to record, and to mark. That's it. Let's pray.